Around Comics, Episode 30. From Chicago, this is Around Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the producer of the show, Brian Salazar. Heidi ho And we have our Around Comics regular, Mr. Tom Caters. My pick of the week is Adam number one. <laughs> Fit that in. <laughs> we will reveal our mystery guest in uh, just a couple moments, but uh, first I do want to say that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by GeekArmor.com. Uh, Mr. Sal, can you tell the fine folks out there about Geek Armor? GeekArmor.com sells t-shirts with a geek in mind, featuring a great selection of comic book t-shirts as well as video game, sci-fi, TV, and movie shirts. You are sure to find something you like. Check out their latest design, a red shirt with a phaser hole on the front that reads, I went on an away mission and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. And now the good folks at GeekArmor.com are offering a 10% discount to all Around Comics listeners. Just use the coupon code AROUNDCOMICS, all one word, when placing your order and receive an additional 10% off. GeekArmor.com, check them out today. And also, Around Comics is recorded every Friday from 7 to 9 at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, even though this is Saturday morning. So a little little radio magic there. Forever. Uh, uh, Dark Dark Tower is located at 4835 (laughs) Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by and introduce yourself. We would love to meet you. Uh, You can get 20% off during show recordings. Just mention Around Comics during your checkout and receive 20% off. It is that easy. Uh, Our June contest is all wrapped up. We will announce the winner of our haiku contest at the end of the show. Uh, One last note, if you enjoy Around Comics and download through iTunes, which we know the majority of you do, please drop by the iTunes Music Store and write us a quick review. Just takes a couple minutes, and it means more than we could possibly say. Uh, now, um, I, I will let our listeners know that this will be a little bit different format than our normal shows. We interviewed uh, our, our two mystery guests this week, and we have split that up into uh, two different episodes. Uh, okay, Sal's telling me they're not mystery guests. We we interviewed Michael Avon Oming and Ivan Brendan, so you're going to get uh, two different interviews for the price of one. The first one will be released today, uh, which is Monday, and the second interview will be released on Wednesday. So make sure to tune back in and get the second half of that story. So we're going to uh, talk with uh, Michael Avon Oming in just a moment, and then we'll come back for some uh, some final announcements, and that will be our show. Tune in again next Monday, and we'll have another full-length episode of Around Comics, complete with wire-to-wire comic news and always, top-of-the-stack reviews and recommendations. You can always call me if you want to find out what I think about the news. And Tom, <laughs> once again, Tom picked uh, the Adam yeah, number one. Yeah, I just want to get that in. Uh, yeah. I, I picked the latest issue of Detective Comics. That's and it. Sal, what was your top of the stack? I don't even have He doesn't it. even have one. <laughs> There's nothing even. We don't even like comics. Anymore. All right, so uh, without further ado, uh, let's move on to the interview with Michael Avon Oming. Roll. <laughs> and we're joined today by one half of the creative team of the new limited series from Image Comics titled The Cross Bronx. He is Michael Avon Oming. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. 
Michael, thank you for being on the show, and welcome to Around Comics. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate being here. Well, it's uh, it's great. We uh, we may be joined by uh, your partner on the Cross Bronx, Ivan Brandon, a little bit later. So we will mm-hmm. keep an eye on the phone lines. It sounds like he has been out uh, enjoying the New York nightlife. No, I, actually, I think he was uh, solving the whole uh, missile crisis in North Korea. So <laughs> wow. it might be a little, a little while so, on that. I know he's been busy, but <clears throat> man. So by the time you hear this. World peace will be accomplished. <laughs> I, I that will all be annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no comic books so this podcast. Can you, Ivan Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, we are uh, we are uh, on the panel very excited about the new project that you guys have announced, and uh, that being the Cross Bronx. It's it's a little bit of an interesting twist for you guys because it's uh, you are co-writing and illustrating this. But uh, I tell you what, better uh, better than us describing it, can you tell us a little bit about the Cross Bronx and how that project came about? Uh, well, I met I met Ivan Brandon um, around uh, I guess around two thousand or two thousand one. Um, at a show in New York City when I very first was promoting uh, Towers. Um, and I met him and, and Miles Gunter at the same time. And uh, Miles, we ended up doing Bass of Samurai together. Uh, but Ivan and I had met and we clicked right away. And early on in my Towers days, I had a bunch of different projects I started to congeal in my head, but I, I didn't feel confident in myself as, as a writer at that point, which is why I began working with a lot of different co-writers on projects. And Ivan was one of these dudes. And um, I had this project that was uh, called The Cross Bronx, which I'll get into, you know, kind of why that came about in a sec. Um, and I asked Ivan, I knew Ivan was doing some writing, and I, and I wanted to check out some of what he was writing. And I was like, all right, this guy could definitely, you know, he's definitely got chops, and, um, you know, I'm pretty sure we'll work together well. So I gave him this vague outline, and then we sort of ping-ponged it back and forth until eventually we, we had this script. Um, which is generally how I work with guys when I when I co-write with somebody. It's sort of this ping-pong effect of, you know, I'll have a, sort of a nugget of an idea that, I, that I've written down, and then I'll start breaking it down into, into issues and then bouncing it back and forth with each other until we have a finished script. And uh, so this goes all the way back to, you know, 2000 or so. Um, one of the reasons it's taken so long is, uh, two reasons. One is because sometimes a project will come uh, will come up and it just develops faster. Um, or, which is typical now, is I won't solicit one of my my side projects until it's pretty much finished. And this being four issues, I think I finally started drawing it about uh, about two years ago, maybe a year and a half. Um, and from that point till now, it's just been a matter of drawing it in between issues of powers. Um, when I've caught up on scripts or when I just have a couple extra hours, just do a page or something. Um, so it's been a very slow pro- uh, process of, of getting it finished. And this way, it doesn't get solicited, and I have to struggle to stick with the schedule. Well, that's one um, thing which I... Which is I, always a nightmare. I, I, I've, learned, uh, <laughs> I've learned in the past not to let that happen anymore, which is why I try to get things finished before we solicit it. So right now, as we speak, um, of the four issues, three are completely penciled and inked. So uh, I've got till December to finish the last one. Nice. Well, I, I really respect that because it, it seems like in comics today you see a lot of first and second issues that will come out and one right after the other. And then sometimes it's a three, four, six-month wait until the next issue so that you aren't soliciting until you're almost completely done with the series is really refreshing to hear that. 
Well, it's, it's part of it. It's just trying to alleviate nightmares on my part, but but also, um, especially for a miniseries or a series that's just started out, that'll kill it, you know, no matter how good it is. Well, I think it's just you know, interesting that, you, you know, you have guys that you've worked with over the years, and obviously, you know, on Powers and, and, and the different work you've done, but with this series, you know, it it is interesting to me that you're co-writing it. Um, how is that process working with Ivan as far as, you know, you're illustrating it, but you're also credited as a co-writer. Um, what is that process like? Well, we work, we work on a script together. Um, you know, and the scripts have, have been around for a couple of years where, you know, we would put it down for like a year and not work on it or so. Um, but typically, say, I've written out um, an issue. The dialogue's really loose and sloppy and some of it's missing and stuff, and I'll send that over to, to Ivan, and Ivan will take that loose and sloppy dialogue and go, this is what he meant to do, and then he'll add on to it and make it, um, uh, give it more dimension and such, and I'll take those other scenes that didn't have any dialogue, and then he'll start to dialogue those. Then I'll take those dialogue scenes that he wrote, and then I'll do that sort of same process to it, going, well, this, I think this is what he meant to do, and then, um, you know, I flesh out the scene. Um, once we've done that enough, it kind of just comes down to um, uh, just fleshing out the details, which we go back and forth on. Then once I actually draw a page, many times I'm not rewriting a story, but repacing it for the, the sake of the art, um, or maybe adding a splash page in or something like that. So we still let it be organic, even in that scene. Um, so when I hand the pages in, or the issue in, I'll typically have a slightly, again, a slightly rewritten scene. Um, and then even after that, before it gets lettered, I will go through one last time and, you know, cross the, the G's and dot the O's or whatever it is. Um, and, um, you know, I'll do like a final suit. So when it comes to co-writing, we really are, it's, it's a matter of fact of, of just bouncing back and forth. Um, I couldn't point at an issue and tell you which words I wrote and which words Ivan wrote, you know. Um, and we're, we're pretty happy with that. Um, and uh, it's, it's really exciting to be get to to finally draw something that I'm, you know, writing or even co-writing because I haven't really done that yet. Most of the stuff that I've worked on with other people, um, I haven't drawn myself. So I'm um, really excited about that. So one of the things I'm interested in is when people co-write because I've tried co-writing things with people not in comics. And it's interesting because it either goes sort of naturally or you end up hating the person. Yeah. Um, did you find it to be easier than you thought it was going to be, or was it more challenging than you thought it was going to be? Well, I guess it's a little bit easier as far as um, when you're writing something with somebody else, I suggest that somebody not be in charge, because that's the, the wrong way to put it, but somebody has to be uh, have the, the, the one foot slightly you know, in the lead. Um, otherwise, it, it can get confusing, if, and, and you can go in, in completely different ways. That's not to say that Ivan and I don't, you know, um, that we disagree on stuff or don't disagree because we do. But, you know, when we've, you've known each other long enough and you understand and trust each other long enough, you're able to, to trust each other's sensibilities. Um, and also, if an origin kind of, a story kind of takes place with one of the people, then it's easier for, um, you know, decisions to be made in the long run and such. 
so that helps. You can always settle everything with arm wrestling anyway. <laughs> for real. <Yeah. laughs> if it really gets down to it. <laughs> well, I won't be fair because I haven't had huge guns. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What, what do you what What do you like better? Do you like uh, writing or 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 illustrating a book better, or or neither? Mm-hmm. And do you plan on doing any work where you'll do both duties? It depends on the day. You know, um, the thing I, I like about writing is I really can do it anywhere at any time. Whereas art, um, it's not just the physical location, but if I'm really tired. I have trouble just sitting at the board. I'll find myself easily distracted and such. Whereas if I'm really tired when I'm writing, it's actually easier to write in a way because I'm more in touch with the sort of, you know, the subconscious and all that, you know. Um, for me, a big part of writing is listening to that little voice inside your head. Um, and I don't mean the ones that, you know, say to kill people and stuff. Kill, and your, you know. kill your neighbors. <laughs> well, you know, like when you write something and you show it to somebody else, and they'll point out something, and you'll go, and you'll realize that you you realize that in the back of your mind, right? Right. You'll, you'll say, oh, I meant to change that, or you're right, I meant to blah, blah, blah. Um, the, I think a big part of writing is listening to that little voice so that you can catch that stuff when it happens. Um, and when I'm tired or I've had a couple of drinks, it's easier to do. Um, whereas with drawing, you know, I, I can't. I'm, I'm falling asleep on the couch. and. <laughs> taking three-hour naps in the whole day. Well, you had started to develop uh, quite a reputation of being uh, a very accomplished comic book artist in the, in the last few years. And, you know, I love Powers and was very familiar with your work there. And then I started to see this Oming guy pop up with, with writing credits. And uh, <laughs> you know, you, you've worked on what, Red Sonia and Ares and Thor, Thor, the, Thor, the, the What the, If the Thor Ragnarok. story, which, which you wrote and, and drew. Um, do you... Well, what If was, was written by um, uh, uh, Robert Kirkman. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. My, my, my mistake. Now we're never going to get him as a Wait, guest. Was, uh, <laughs> bad research. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, do you, do you see yourself continuing to do dual duties in comics? You know, does that does that charge I'm you? I'm definitely not leaving the art behind at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's it's tough, but I am going to at least at, at, at Marvel try and push the the writer artist thing in the future. You know, of, of drawing the stuff that I'm writing. Um, it's a little tough though because my style isn't exactly a mainstream style by by any standard. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I'm probably going to be doing more of, of the, the writing, drawing, you know, doing both chores myself uh, with my career own stuff more in the future. Well, I tell you what, we hear a lot of people scream for Michael Avon Oming to do a turn on Thor as both writer and artist. And, and I know that we're getting off the subject across Bronx, and we'll come right back to it, but uh, do, would that ever intrigue you to do even a six-issue run on Thor? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they're bringing Thor back now, and I think they're it's clear they're in the, the middle of the, that process with uh, with Civil War after issue two came out. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got you know big plans for Thor initially, and I think if I get to work on Thor, I would, I would prefer to do it, sort of be like the second or third guy on Thor mm-hmm. as opposed to the first or second dude because um, it's, it's easier to come in later to something that's been revamped, I think, than to, to be there at the beginning. You don't want to be the guy thrown out of the airplane first? Well, <laughs> sort of. I mean, the thing with Thor is that he's very tricky. I mean, he's there, there are a couple characters at Marvel that have these really diehard fans. Um, Thor and the Hulk are two of them, and they're, they're, and they're really kind of out there sometimes. So to bring back Thor, you have to do it in a way that isn't going to burn the old fans. 
And yet you have to do something with Thor that changes him and makes him modern enough to attract new readers or people who, who didn't read Thor before, which is a really tough job. And, and I think you have to really, in the end, you kind of have to do one or the other, you know? Um, so uh, I think I'd, I'd prefer to uh, come into it later on and such that uh, the, the initial guy is, is going to be both loved and hated. You know what I mean? Right. Which in a way is good. You know, I mean, it's, it's good to, to evoke those kind of strong emotions from people. Well, so, while, um, while it hasn't been, you know, obviously official at any point, but, I mean, it, you know, it, it seems like Donald Blake is coming back as Thor, or at least he's picking up the hammer. We don't know that for sure. Yeah. Um, but to me, that seems like the right way to bring him back. And, and what you you had touched on about not burning the fan, you know, the the old time fans of Thor. To me, you know, I was a Thor fan for a long time, and I sort of lost interest in him after a while because I felt he sort of lost his humanity. He was he was no longer attached to a to Donald Blake, and he and I had no way to sort of connect with that character because he was an well, Asgardian. This is where it gets really weird. You would think that that's the case with the, the diehard Thor fans. But most diehard, diehard Thor fans actually hate Donald Blake. Really? Um, which Kindly crippled Donald. <laughs> How could you hate the man? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't stand him. I mean, there's, there's a specific message board that's kind of the, the core Thor uh, message board area. And for the most part, yeah, they, they can't stand Donald Blake. And they go, I don't need Donald Blake to relate to Thor you know, because, you know, um, they just want the, the Thor kicking people's butt, you know, in the, in the mythology thing and, and stuff. And, and um, yeah, they kind of hate Donald Blake. And I sort of, when I first was writing Thor, I didn't hate Donald Blake, but I wasn't interested in him. And it wasn't really until I started writing a bunch of Thor that I realized how intricate Blake is to, uh, to Thor. I think the problem is a lot of people just handled Blake in a, in a relatively bland way right. so that the character himself became uninteresting. He was he was sort of Clark Kent in the fact that he was just sort of there after a while. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't... Yeah, it was, it was like a standard thing you had to throw in there to have some Donald Blake scenes while you waited for the Thor stuff. And I think uh, a great writer like Bendis, when he wrote Ultimate Spider-Man, it, Ultimate Spider-Man isn't about Spider-Man fighting Dr. Octopus in the streets. It's about Peter Parker. You know, he made Peter Parker the interesting part so that when Spider-Man showed up and Peter Parker was there, they were just, the, both storylines were just as interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's really how, the, how you have to approach any character who has um, a significant um, um, alter ego. Well, hardcore Thor fans are wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm right. Hardcore Cross Bronx fans. Yeah. What do they think? <laughs> I, I, I tell you, what, let's let's get back to the Cross Bronx because that sure. you know is probably the, the you know the, the number one reason we wanted to have you on the show because you know, we're we're excited about it coming out now. Um, we we talk sales numbers from time to time on the show mm-hmm. and and look at you know there's there's obviously going to be a big difference between Marvel and DC sales on the mm-hmm. premiere of a book and books that come out from you know Image or any other alternative uh, press books yeah now you guys are really pouring yourself into this book and I know yeah. that you want it to be very successful what you know if, if you don't mind what type of initial sales on the Cross Bronx would make you moderately happy on that first issue? And it's, it's hard to say because the industry's changed so much and stuff. Um, and I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be moderately happy with around 15 to 20 on it. You know, part of the thing is with a crime book, you have um, sort of a ceiling on crime books, which used to be around 40,000. 
Um, even at Marvel and DC, they don't seem to do much more than that. Um, that seems to be the, the high end of, you know, what you can do with a crime book. Um, one of the reasons we really want this to, to do so well, why I'm pushing for it so hard, is because we've worked on it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of it, like, these sort of one-shot deals, like uh, um, uh, Parliament of Justice and Six, comics out there and we talk about it it's the double-edged sword in comics right now there's probably you know in my lifetime there's never been a better time to have so much available to you but there's never been a worse time to have to pick what to read and we we have this bizarre sense of obligation by doing this podcast and trying to be involved fans that we have to read everything and you Mm. you can't do it yeah yeah it's really tough you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing uh, your show or pushing stuff on Newsarama constantly. We're putting lots of artwork out there so people can see what's what's coming out. Um, even pushing the whole marketing edge a little bit with, you know, we've got some alternate covers, which you don't, they're not incentive covers. You don't have to buy any more issues or anything, else, you know. Um, uh, we've got a, um, a side of Rivik, a beautiful cover, Dave Johnson, the cover, and just yesterday, Ashley Wood has agreed to do a cover. So we're really excited and, and just doing everything we can to, to you know, give bits and pieces to uh, retailers and to um, um, internet posters and such out there to, to see, you know, what they could be getting with the crossbar. You also have a, uh, a, a really cool trailer that you put together online um, for the Cross Bronx, and, and, and that sort of brings up my next question about, you know, the Internet and how it's changed the industry. I mean, you've, you've been doing comics, and you came from independent comics and, and that, and how, how do you see that the Internet has changed the industry uh, positively or negatively um, for, you know, for publishers, self-publishing, uh, and, and even big, you know, mainstream comics? The only negative down part of the Internet stuff has been um, sometimes personal information will get out about people that shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, because we have to remember this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't Hollywood and this isn't Star Magazine and stuff, you know. We, we so, won't so. repeat the story about the goat, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, my stuff I'm fine with. I'm actually very open <laughs> about <laughs> my love for goats. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually a very open person when it comes to, you know, just that sort of stuff in general. Um, but I've seen some stuff come out by other people. I'm like, man, there's no reason to publish that. That nothing to do with comics and stuff. So that's that's kind of the downside of it. Um, 
but the, I think it's pretty far outweighed by um, the, the good side, which is, I mean, the, the, it's, it's free promotion for your material now. You know, I can I can take, if, if I wanted to, I could have taken, um, if I had the time or the, the know-how or whatever, um, I've, I could have taken the first issue of Cross Bronx and cut up that first issue into basically sort of a daily strip and had, you know, run for, for like a month the first issue for free online for people to read and it would be like a running advertisement for the book before it ever comes out. Um, and then you have cats like... Um, um, PVC guy, um, well, I forget his name, Scott, uh, has a book called PVC, which basically, it just started out as a, um, as an online strip, and he slowly built an audience on the online strip, put his book out, and it was immediately a, a hit. Right. You know, um, that, that just wasn't possible back in the day. Back in the day, I remember 
the Cross Bronx. Um, I've got a bunch of Alex Tope letters oh, that yeah. I'm probably going to publish in the back as well. So, you know, the idea is basically if you're doing individual issues, find reasons for people to buy it. Because for most people, including myself, just kind of wait for the trades now. You mentioned Alex Toth and, and his passing. Obviously, you know, a, a lot of people were connected to him and, and obviously a huge fan base and, and that. But I know you had a, a, a personal uh, connection with with him and, and he had actually, you know, corresponded with you over the years. Uh, can you can you touch on, on his relationship or your relationship with him and, and how he maybe influenced your, your work? Well, my relationship with Alex was basically fanboy slash curmudgeon the old man. Um, <laughs> You're a lad. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and, I, and you could say that that's not insulting. I mean, he, he kind of, that was his reputation, and he wasn't afraid of it. And I think what was wonderful is, is about when you get older is um, you can still be polite to people without taking shit anymore. <laughs> you know, the advantages. It was one of the, the letters that, that in one of my correspondence, my favorite letter was, um, Alex was, I sent him a bunch of art, and he said, this stuff was great, and he said, I was really, really good, but that I needed to roll up my prayer mat to Bruce Tim and burn it. Wow. Take that, whippersnapper. Exactly. You know, and it, it was but tree. at the same time, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> he's, 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 he likes my work enough to tell me, you know, that, you know, what he saw was just too much, what he called was the shovel head that I drew for, that's the, the main thing that I have the main holdover for my Bruce Tim influences that the kind of sort of S curve on the face uh-huh. um, I don't know if he d- doesn't like that or if he can't tell with Alex what he likes and what he doesn't because he's just kind of curmudgeon about everything you know um, and uh, you know so I, I, just, I love that letter because it was he was taking the, the time to compliment me on that which he, he in earlier letters he didn't do um, he was just saying, oh, less lines, you're looking good, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he loved art and he had a huge passion for it. I mean, you'd write him a letter, and he would write back and send you a bunch of sketches. And the letter was sort of like this, um, uh, I, I have to put it like this, it was almost like a, like a psycho killer letter. <laughs> he would start the, the letter on the top left-hand part of the page. And I don't mean where the lines began. I mean in the top left Whoa. corner like of the page. <laughs> and then it would be one long run-on sentence. It would be like old Greek, where there was like no punctuation, capital letters or small letters. Just one long run-on sentence. Then I all the way to the back of the other page on the far bottom right of the page. Wow. So now he, he was able to get all of his thoughts and, his, and, and end it. Just, you know, it was like, oh, end of the page, end of my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing because that's a lot of time and effort that he would put into his correspondence and it wasn't just with me it was basically anybody who wrote him and um, he was just wonderful about that his his last years had, were spent mostly just corresponding with other artists and stuff it was really unfortunate that uh, he built the self-image that he was um, I don't know if failure was the right word but that he, he wasn't appreciated and such and he definitely thought that he was, you know, an outsider and just kind of forgotten. And it wasn't until he got ill um, when he got like five or six bags of letters in the mail that he realized how much people really did care about him. You know, every time guys like myself or or, um, or Mike Allred or whoever wrote to him and told him how much his art meant to us and his correspondence meant to us, I, I don't think he felt it until he saw those letters. And it was really unfortunate that he passed, I don't know, like two weeks after he got out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he was actually talking about going to San Diego this year. Wow, yeah, that would have been great. I mean, that, that's it. It, it is. It, it, well, I mean, I guess the only thing you can take from it is that at least he did get that realization before he passed, and, and, and a lot of times... Yeah, and he died at the drawing board. You know, I mean, that's every artist's goal, you know what I mean? I mean, right. I look at, at uh, Will Eisner when he passed, and he was drawing up to about the week before he died. You know, and I'm like, that's all I really want out of life, is to, to have my brain, you know, to keep sane, keep it from going crazy, and drawing up to my last days, you know? So, I mean, that's that's the goal, that's the life, and you know, these guys these guys did it and stuff, so... And they're well loved by their fans and family and, and whatnot, and that's what's important. Hi, I'm Matt Fraction, and this is uh, Around Comics, and it's a podcast that you listen to on your pod, and it's casted to your pod, and you can listen to it, and it's sweet. And I, I love it, and I love you. Well, getting back to the Cross Bronx, um, let's talk a little bit about that story. Can you tell us more about you know what it, what the story's about, the characters in it, and, and what we can expect from it? The core of the story is it's a crime noir book, similar to Powers, but um, without uh, the, the superhero element, there's, there's a supernatural element to it. Um, and it's basically the, um, the fight with this um, uh, detective, Raphael Ponte, who um, is struggling to, to this little war between his belief in earthly justice versus uh, his faith in God. Because um, he doesn't believe in, 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 in the beginning of the story of Basically, you have to reverse the way your your characters begin in your story and the way they end in the story. So the way it begins in the story is that he's he believes he's lost his faith in God, and that he's just this you know strict cop. But um, things start to happen. He gets involved with uh, um, Santeria, um, and of course he has to start questioning you know um, those beliefs. And, you know, that, that little journey that he goes on is, is, is the crux of the story. Um, in the meantime, he's investigating a series of, of gang-related murders, which, you know, you finally find all the supernatural stuff being tied up into, and there is uh, this ghost character, similar to possibly either The Crow or um, High Plains Drifter, the old Cliff Clint Eastwood film, mm-hmm. um, running around killing people and stuff. So uh, that's the eye candy of the book, is, is the, uh, the chick running around with the gun. <laughs> Um, so that's that's the crux of the story, and it's influenced largely by my um, my wife's in-laws. Um, my wife's Puerto Rican. Go visit her uh, her family. They all live in the in the Bronx. There's this area of the Bronx called the Cross Bronx, and that's where Route 95, which goes all the way down from Florida up to like past Boston, this huge highway that goes up the East Coast. It crosses through the Bronx, and that's the name, the Cross Bronx. And um, the name itself always kind of just generated the sort of imagery in my mind and such. Um, and then going to visit the family over in the Bronx, getting to see the vast differences there, um, it's just a great landscape for a story. Because you have really, I grew up in the, in the suburbs, a very Wally and the Beaver kind of, kind of <laughs> neighborhoods and stuff. So my idea of the Bronx was that it was like brownstones and apartment buildings and parts of it were like blasted out, like, uh, like Fort Apache, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> And maybe there are definitely parts like that, but most of the blocks was actually really nice, and I was really surprised. And that's the kind of stuff I wanted to to, to cover in the book. So the Bronx itself is, is, is a personality with you know um, some pretty far extremes, um, and uh, the characters are a lot more influenced by people that I know there. And uh, if you know the Bronx at all, anybody who lives in the area, you actually recognize a bunch of different landmarks um, that that I put in the comic, especially around the, the Castle Hill area. 
And, and this is a, a Cross Bronx is a four issue miniseries. Um, yeah. Any plans further? You know, depending on how how well it goes for you, uh, to to go back and revisit this sort of. Not not for the comic. Um, if you know, um, I've been pretty pretty blessed by having a really good agent um, in, in Hollywood Land and uh, sold a couple of projects. And um, if this if somebody in television was to look at this, there there are definitely ways to expand it in television. But if we do it as a movie. Or, um, or as it is as a comic book, I don't see any need to do any anything more than the the, the single story. I was going to joke and say, yeah, it'll be a movie. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Fan, is there room for fan fiction? He was serious. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I guess there is because I mean, basically, the idea is that if you were to take the cross blocks and expand it to anything else. It's simply that it would be involving these these main characters who we introduced to in the first issues, um, and and you know now that they've stepped their foot into this the into the um, uh, supernatural, you know, it's just you know now they're in it, you know what I mean, and then to introduce other elements of the supernatural. Um, the the, the Bronx area is really interesting because it's it's a mix of traditional Catholicism, uh, Santeria, uh, superstition. Um, and there's a couple other forms of uh, um, um, sort of more, I don't say darker religions, but there's there's all kinds of stuff going on over there. <laughs> um, so it's a really interesting mix of um, traditional and, and untraditional beliefs that um, leave a lot of room to be explored as long as they're you know respected, you know. Well, you know, I've noticed in 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 your work and Ivan's work, both you you both tend to really use the settings, use the cities. I mean, obviously, yeah. New York City Mac. And yeah, and my city Mac, when you look at it, the, the city itself is a character, you know? Right, and, and, and I've noticed that in other works of yours, you know, Powers, obviously, that city is so alive and, and, and part of of that world. Is that something you guys consciously think about, or is it just something that naturally comes through the work? Powers that happened organically, like we didn't plan that on happening, but it definitely did. Um, NYC Mac and the Cross Bronx, it happened in specifically because they're real places. And when they're real places, even though you go, you know what, the vast majority of the people reading this, they've never been to, to New York City or the Bronx. Um, it's not going to matter to them, but it does matter to people who who are there, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, who, have, who have been there, there's a big difference. Um, and that's how a city really starts to, to get a personality. Good example is in the latest issue of um, um, Civil War, uh, Civil War Number Two. Um, I was reading it, and there's there's one of the, the characters are running around and they're being chased by Shield agents, and um, it happens around like West Twenty Third Street, um, New York City, and there's and, and it's beautifully drawn. There's all these high, uh, the, these really tall glass business buildings and stuff. Um, but 20, West 23rd Street doesn't look anything like that. No. West 23rd Street is like brown, more brownstones, older style stone buildings and stuff. Um, but you only know that if you're there. It doesn't ruin the book at all. But um, for people who know the area, if you if you read it, and it looks like the area that it's supposed to take place, then you go, oh my God, that's you know, you, you get a stronger connection to it. It feels more real. Sure, there, um, we live in Chicago, and there are occasionally, you know, the comic writers will get out of New York and, and actually write a story that, that takes place in Chicago and you can you can smell it like a fart in a car if they 
if they don't know what Chicago is like. Chicago has a specific look, especially when you're not in the you know the, the middle of the business district where you got the tall buildings and shit. You know. Sure. I mean, they'll they'll show an alley, and yeah. you can look at that. And it's like that is not a Chicago alley. That is yeah. not a Chicago street. And, but on the other hand, whenever someone like in a uh, uh, hundred bullets, uh, Eduardo Rizzo, and it's yeah. it's largely because Brian Azzarillo was here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that he wouldn't let him get away with it, but some of those yeah. Chicago scenes in that first arc are absolutely amazing, and I respect yeah. that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you have to treat a city like a person, as far as I'm concerned, you know. Um, uh, you, you know, I mean, the, the city is, is as much of a character where it takes place in as, as any person is, so I think that's pretty important. Well, what I, I think a lot, a lot of what people want to know is... is You've worked with you know Bendis on Powers, and now you're you're doing this with with Ivan. You know, are you sick of of using your talents to elevate these hack writers up to you know, superstar? Because <laughs> I'm we, actually using my own hack abilities to learn from these talented writers. <laughs> um, you know, even other cats like uh, um, that I worked with, um, Miles and um, and Dan Berman. Uh, I worked with on uh, on uh, Stormbreaker and um, even my he helped out my first Thor arc and uh, we did Blood River together. Um, it, while we're at the same level of writing, I think you can you can still learn from other guys on um, the same level as long as they have different strengths and weaknesses than you do. Um, and one thing that I didn't want to do was to just jump into the writing. Well, I kind of been writing basically all my life, and it's not always you know I wasn't always writing for comics. I would write ideas down and such. Um, I didn't want to go full on into writing just blindly because you see that too many times. And I think it's actually pretty disrespectful to the art form for, for artists when they go, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to write my own stuff and it's clear that, you know, they didn't prepare for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just jump into writing. You have to really... It's an art form that, that doesn't have specific rules, but there are definitely some very general guidelines that work and they don't work. Um, and uh, especially dialogue, if you don't have any for it, you have to really work at it or else it sounds really weird. Unless it's like Hellboy, it's supposed to sound weird. You know, <laughs> I'm making to hurt you. You know, lines like that are great. Um, and there's too many artists that just jump into it, and I think it's, it's actually kind of disrespectful to other writers. Um, so one of the things I want to do is at least study the form, and as soon as I started work with Brian, it's really when I started studying writing, and he told me about studying films and dialogue and uh, handed me a certain amount of books to, to read over, and, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a slow process, and, it, and it's it's... You know, it's only been a couple of years that I really started feeling comfortable writing on my on my own, and now I'm, I'm really happy with it. But I'm still also going to choose to work with other people because I've done it so long. I actually enjoy working with other other writers. What is it? What is it? Do you think about comics that makes so many people think they can just jump in and do it, and, and it seems so easy to so many people, and and then it's evident that it's not once they kind of get into it. Well, the, the, both the strength and the weakness. I was just talking with uh, Heidi McDonald about this. Um, that here's con both the strengths and the weakness of comics is its open door policy. You know, um, the fact that anybody um, with enough ambition can become a comic book artist or a comic book writer or publish their work. Um, and that's resulted in some amazing stuff, but also resulted in the guys who you walk by their table and you pray to God they don't make eye contact with you. Then <laughs> you have to look at their book. Um, you know, um, but also a lot of the guys who started out with really, really bad comics develop into um, uh, really great artists or writers. 
And um, if it wasn't for that that ability to get the work out there and to get it to be seen, they not might have been they might not have been focused enough to stay on track. Um, I know my my early work certainly was crap, <laughs> and uh, getting to do the con circuit and having myself published helped keep me focused. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why people find it so easy to jump into. Also because it is deceptively easy. Um, you know, you look at some of the badly drawn comics out there, or or some of the, the comics that you don't think are written so well, and you go, you know what, I could do better than that. And um, it's a good place to start. Um, well, some people should also finish there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's a lot of fast out of the gate, but uh, can't finish. The I race, could write guys. a better Frodo meets Spider-Man story than that. <laughs> oh. oh, let me tell you, I had this bizarre pitch the other day. Um, I'm at a, a store, and uh, there's a guy that I know there, and he's there with his friend, and he had told told his friend that that I write comics. And the guy just went, he, this is a good example of everybody thinks that they can just tell a story. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you know, I've got this story about, um, this is how you should do comics that everybody will want to read it. Not just grown up fanboys, but like, you know, Wall Street guys and stuff. Like, all right, let me hear this, right? <laughs> he says, so there's a scientist who creates this, this, uh, um, this virus that creates, it causes everybody to sprout wings so that everybody around the world can now fly. And now there are no boundaries to anything. Everybody's all open, and you could go down to the to the Cape of South Africa, and you could put your finger in the water, and you're touching two oceans at once, and you know all these flighty ideas. And my and that was like, um, you want people to be able to fly? Well, they're going to get tired. You know, who's going to fly to? Because you have wings, and then you can fly to to Europe. You're going to get tired. And I'm sorry, if people in America start. Fl- um, I just said this to him now. Uh, <laughs> if people in America start uh, sprouting wings. The Bible Belt will go crazy. They're going to be like, Jesus is coming back, and it's God's judgment on earth, and let's kill everybody without wings, and you know what I mean? It's like Now, oh, that would be cool. You're just a hater. <laughs> you're yeah. just a hater, well, man. He wanted to create a utopia, and I'm making. That guy just threw us to create more problems. People start sprouting wings. Uto- utopias are boring. <laughs> you need, you need <laughs> crazy yeah, Bible Belt. You, you reach utopia, period, end of story, and a happy ending. Nice. But what if in that utopia... There's someone with like leather wings instead of <laughs> leather wings. You know? Someone spikes on the wings and shoot Someone out. with knives or blades on those wings. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. That's been done. Yeah. All right, uh, Ma- Ma- Mike, we've got a couple forum um, uh, posts here for some questions for you. And actually, we have a, a couple questions for Ivan. So, can you do an Ivan Brandon impersonation? <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to sound cool and aloof. <laughs> this uh, this first one is uh, from our good buddy uh, Pat Oika, and uh, he uh, um, has some very nice things to say about you, which I won't repeat. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Pat's uh, um, one of my buddies from the message board. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. he's from the Bendis board. Yeah, Pat, Pat is a is a great guy. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. And he goes uh, uh, for Mike. And he can pick me up really easy. Yeah, he can. He's a strong man. He's, he's a, a big pa- Samoan a, fellow. A large, lovely man, that Pat Loika. Uh He goes, uh, for Mike, is there a chance we can see you draw or even write an uh, NYC Mech story? Um, I, um, yes. <laughs> we, uh, Ivan and I talk about it, and we've got some stuff planned. Uh, I'm drawing something in um, uh, 24-7, which is coming out rel- uh, relatively soon from, uh, from Ivan. Uh, but we definitely plans on working together both on NYC Mac and non NYC Mac stuff. Cool. All right. Great. Um, and, and for Ivan, um, <laughs> I, I see you at a lot of cons, and I always see you sketching. Any chance of us seeing any sequential work from you anytime soon? How about a collaboration art-wise with Mr. Oming? 
Oh, I don't know about that, man. Mike is so good. I just, I just don't think that if I touch pen to paper, it might just burst into flames. <laughs> well, I, you, Ivan, that was really nice of you, man. I appreciate it. I know it's <laughs> nice of you to let us conference you in there for that question. <laughs> Um, Pat, Pat adds on, he goes, uh, uh, the trailer for the book and all the preview art kicks ass, um, but all I ever needed to know were the names of the creators involved to win me over. I wish you both the best of luck with the series and with your other projects. So that That's is cool. check is in the mail, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, our buddy, That's how you really make it in the street, Paola. You have to pay off every person you want reading your book. Pay to read. Pay to read. That's how it goes. Yeah, but, but, but we're cheap, so... <laughs> Um, our, our buddy Vince B. in Pennsylvania wrote in, and he, he basically asked, we've already gone over it, but uh, he is uh, voicing his opinion that he would be very excited about you taking a turn on Thor. So I did want to mention that. And then uh, Brian Bowles from Tennessee, who uh, actually does our webcomic on uh, on AroundComics.com, he uh uh he asked, uh, I would like to know if they have ever considered... Um, Cross Bronx is a television series, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 thing is, when you do a comic, you you, you plan on it to just be um, the comic book. You want to you want to keep it in its purest form. But if you want to retire, <laughs> you have to hope for a, a, a film or television show because um, it's very difficult to retire off of comics. Well, I so thought you wanted to die in really a for it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought. Didn't you say you wanted to dye your drawing board? <laughs> yeah, but I meant like when I was like ninety, not when I was like forty. <laughs> oh, he wants oh. it to be a pure gold drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm also I have I have a kid and a mortgage and a wife and you know what I mean. So it's like you know that stuff is is definitely part of the picture. But um, it's you, you never create your stuff to uh, you know for that ultimate goal. You know that was you actually can, you can tailor it towards that. You know. Mm-hmm. But if you if you set out specifically to to do that, nine times out of ten you're going to fail. I, I actually had that. I had that question for you a little bit earlier that I was going to um, ask. What is more important to you, commercial or critical success? And I know commercial success pays the bills, but what is most important to you? Oh, commercial success because no matter <laughs> how much it sells, there's always going to be somebody out there telling you it sucks. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's the downside <laughs> to being successful is like um, waking up to hate mail. Nice. That, that <laughs> is the best, most honest answer I've ever had to that question. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. no matter how much you sell, you're still going to wake up, yeah, and you're going to have that email of "You killed Hoka, You suck. They're going to see you in your break. I'm going to run you over." You know what I mean? That's part of so. So critical success doesn't matter as much because. Um, also, I've got bills. I have a, a kid and a mortgage and a wife. <laughs> well, yeah, it's always... But, but, but that is also why I do those side projects, to be honest. Those, you know, the 86 volts. I mean, 86 volts, the dead girl, is this really weird little vertigo-like death poem that, you know, I didn't care if anybody got it or not. You know, um, I mean, I cared, but it, it was definitely done strictly for the artistic expression. But I, I made sure that it was a one-shot so that I wasn't pouring my life into it so that if it fails... I didn't have to slide my wrist open, you know. Well, it's always more suspicious if you do something and everyone likes it. That's always yeah, odd. Yeah. If you, I, you know, it's almost that sort of uh, um, that sort of Johnny Depp approach where you know you do uh, the mainstream thing so that you can do your independent stuff, you know. And I've got like five, like I guess by this point there's five or six of those black and white one shots that a lot of people don't see that I'm not even really promoting that hard. Um, 
and it's not because I think they're lesser projects, but it's because um, I just want to do them for the sake of doing them. So, well, there's definitely the very commercial part of me that wants to make the money and stuff. You know, there's reluctantly that, you know, the independent artist guy who's stuck in there and wants to do his own thing from time to time. Any chance at seeing any more of uh, of, of the Series 6? Um, actually, um, there's some, some interesting news about that, but we're not uh, ready to, to release it yet. But as far as the comic book goes, um, I've tried several times with Dan to come up with more story, and we had more story in mind. But every time I started to put down paper, it became darker, darker, and more twisted. Um, and, I, and my gut told me that's not the way to go with it, so I kept fighting against it. Uh, so at this point, there's no plans for for uh, a comic book thing, but um, there, there's something on the horizon else for six. So. Ah, interesting. Well, I, I really enjoyed that 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 book, and you actually did a uh, and you do this quite a lot. It seems like you're 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 sort of a, a video fiend. I mean, you 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 seem to have a video camera on you all the time, and you're always making little you know funny movies and yeah. and uh, and trailers and stuff. And you did a really interesting. You did the 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 six film. Basically, no, that was that was very cool to see, and I, I loved the the book. I, I just thought it was great stuff. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks. Yeah, the, the short film was an exercise in trying to you know tell a story in a different medium, and uh, it's pretty hard as far as um, getting a linear story on film is harder, I think, than getting a linear story on on paper. And eventually, what happened was six was pretty abstract um, in the in the film. We ended up doing a second cut that I put up on YouTube that's uh, shorter and it's even more abstract and it works a lot better because it, there's no sense that we're trying to convey exactly what's going on in the plot and it's it's more abstract and it works better as an art house film than mm-hmm. a straightforward you know action film thing well, I can say I certainly even you know reading the book, I wasn't sure what the heck was going on, but I know I liked it. It was just yeah. one of those real surreal. I mean, it was just uh, I was blown away by that by that book. But it was definitely that again. That was sort of along the lines of those weirder. Um, artistic things I was interested in. I was very influenced by a film called uh, Alphaville by, um, by, uh, by Godard, uh, you know, the French dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you don't mean uh, Goddard, do you, from the Bendis? Yeah, Goddard from the message board. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely, it was, you know, it was influenced by some pretty weird stuff and, I was hoping I didn't lose too many people on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, um, Brian also had another question. He said uh, uh, he had an old issue of Draw Magazine where you talk about your drawing process, and he was wondering if you still use laser printer-grade copy paper to draw on. For the most part, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I got to a point in my career where um, I was, just before powers, I was trying to use all the best paper and all the best brushes, and it, I would really have to go on these like journeys because you go to your favorite art store and they, they were out of the kind of paper that you wanted or they no longer carried that brush and then you had to find where else to get the brush. And then once you get the brush, it's a $24 brush. And, um, and once I got the powers and I got to the simplified stuff, I just decided I'm only going to use the, uh, art supplies that I can get at like Staples or like uh, one of those little uh, um, um, craft uh, supplies Hobby Lobby stores, like or, something. or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So really, most of most of what I draw powers on um, and my other stuff, uh, for the most part, is laser copy paper, which 11 by 17 comes in sheets of like 50. Um, it's thicker than photocopy paper, but thinner than uh, Bristol board. Um, and I ink it with like cheap watercolor brushes and ballpoint pens. Yeah, I remember you tell you told me that before, and I was like, really, you use ballpoint pens on that? 
And I couldn't believe it until I saw you doing it, and it was just like, that's... Beck or Paper Mate? <laughs> <laughs> that's a secret. <laughs> that's a trade secret. You can't have to hold it. The secret is it's, it's not the equipment that helps you draw better. You know, and, and a lot of us young guys fall into that trap, and then a lot of guys who, you know, they, they go out and they get, like, these specific kind of pens and all this stuff, and, and you get trapped into that instead of thinking, you know what, Jack Kirby drew with a number two pencil. You know? <laughs> That, you know, that's, that's a pretty valuable lesson, I think. Brian, also wanted to uh, compliment you on your excellent creator interviews at BuzzScope. I know you've been doing those for a little while oh, now. Thanks. How's that been? Uh, uh, now that you're part of the media, do you have creators just hate you now? <laughs> um, no, because, you know, I've, I've, I've got a rule to, to, to respect other creators and such. Um, and, uh, and while I'm not trying to be politically correct in any way, uh, I, I don't want to say anybody or whatever. Um, and with the, the interviews, it's just, I just wanted to ask um, slightly more personal questions with those and be more, it's more of a conversation. I mean, people will comment usually after the interviews, wow, we learned as much about Mike as we did, you know, the creator. And really, it's, it's less of an interview and more of just a back and forth talk about, usually the, the themes you'll find in them are how has your past affected what you do now in comics? Um, that's you know, and most of my questions come out of those that, that category. So it's been a lot of fun, and, and it's been some pretty eye-opening uh, interviews, especially Paul Jenkins. Um, he he was really open in his interview, and 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 brought some really really cool stuff. Well, if, if anybody hasn't seen those interviews, you also are doing uh, something kind of unique. Is that whoever you're interviewing, you do a, a, a drawing of. Um, yeah. And and I, if you haven't seen those, you should. Warren Ellis drawings were awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, they, all of them have been great, and and uh, it's just really cool to to see you. Uh, the, ne the next time we we hook up at a at a con, I may ask you to do a Warren Ellis sketch. It was that oh, awesome. I, I loved it. I love drawing Warren. He's great. <laughs> Warren Ellis fighting Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Um, can you give us the uh, the rundown on when the Cross Bronx is coming out and all the information that listeners need to uh, to get a hold of copies of that? All right, thanks. Um, the Cross Bronx is, is um, uh, four issues, four color issues, being colored by Nick Filardi, who colors um, NYC Mech, uh, beautiful sort of this European palette. Um, uh, it's four issues uh, co-written, co-created by myself and Ivan Brandon. I'm doing all the art. I've been told, including by Joe Casado, who gave us this really nice push in um, uh, uh, his Joe Friday's column that it's it's my best work outside of Powers, and <laughs> so all very excited about it. September from Image. It's in the, the current catalog to order now. Um, if you, if it's too late for the catalog, you can order on online sites. Um, there's a, a site that carries. It's got a good catalog of all my stuff called uh, Capri.com, which is uh, K H E P R I.com. Um, and you can find the cross box on there and uh, order it directly from there or any of the other online sites that are out there and such. Um, and it's uh, four monthly issues as opposed to bi monthly. So, okay. so there well, we go. One, one other um, anthology uh, I want to give you a chance to promote since Ivan is not here. I personally am really looking forward to 24 7. Can you talk about oh, that for just a moment? It's really shocking. I mean, uh, I was talking actually to one of the, the publishers at, at Image at um, Heroes Con. And um, they said, yeah, they, you know, they wanted to do more books with Ivan and stuff. And Ivan told that 24-7 and told him about the artists. And, and they didn't know who most of the artists were. And then Ivan showed him the art, and it's mind-blowing. A lot of these guys are independent, uh, unknown guys. They don't have this independent feel 
they've got more of this sort of European um, animation feel. Um, and a lot of them actually are European artists, so pretty well known over in, in, in Spain and England and Italy and France, but here they're not, they're not known so well. So don't let um, name brand um, be the thing that attracts you to it or, or detracts you to it, although there are some pretty big names on there. Just look at it. Uh, look at the stuff that's online, and it will it will blow you away. You'll go like. There's a there's a guy? great a great interview with uh, Ivan at uh, CBR, and mm-hmm. the lit the list of talent on that book is yeah. amazing. But what's even more amazing is beyond the list of, of known names, when you just look through the book and you see guys you've never heard of before, and it will just blow you away. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. In <laughs> fact, I think my page uh, I did one page in it. I think my page is probably the, the weakest page in it. I <laughs> and I like my page. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt that's the case. Um, it might be. We don't know. Anything? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you haven't seen it. <laughs> you could be right. I'm not going to rule it out. So. Actually, that page is, is kind of special to me because my, my wife wrote it. It was uh, based off of a, a little poem out, outside of from her uh, from her journal. Oh, that's so amazing. It's the first thing I kind of did with my wife or, or wrote with the wife and such. Oh, very cool. So we can Which expect... That's why we're doing this interview now and not yesterday. Yesterday was our 10-year anniversary. Yes, so. Happy anniversary! <laughs> we, we we weren't gonna we weren't gonna reschedule with you in, until we found out it was your anniversary. We were like, screw <laughs> on you know. It's oh, it's his anniversary. All right, I'll get up Saturday morning, no problem. So. <laughs> hey, guess what? Ivan Brandon is calling on the other line. Oh geez! Right at the end. <laughs> well, we could do an hour with Ivan now. You know, I guess uh, we release a three-hour show. Uh, uh, I'll call him back with your number and stuff. So. All right. Okay. Um, anything on the horizon for you from uh, from Marvel at all, or anywhere else? There's something huge coming out of Marvel um, that I can't announce yet, um, but I'm, I'm going to be writing my first monthly book for them. And it's you can come on, man. Just just, bet- just between us, you can and, tell us. Nobody's listening. <laughs> you know? No, it, w- it won't go anywhere, man. Okay, it's, it's Eagle of the Living Planet. No, nice. <laughs> all right. I can't. That, that's an around comics exclusive, there, folks. <laughs> Can you can you give us any like uh, spoilers for Civil War and uh, any you know anything going on there? Uh, I know. <laughs> can, can you ruin your career? <laughs> hey, could you just? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about Civil War. Um, all I know is, is Marvel better stick with the premise that they're setting up with it, not just let it dissipate. Yeah. You know, because this is a, it's a it's a really great idea, and they're putting a lot of effort into it, and it would kind of suck if like three years from now. If I just didn't happen, you know. No more so. Well, that's war. that's what we were talking. We were actually talking about that this week, and I'm like, how are they going to stay with this? How is you know? I'm just well, dreading. As long as the people in charge now are in charge, it will always be like this. Is from what my understanding of it is. Wow, well, that's I, great. I, that's I just great. can't. I can barely believe that. I mean, it's just amazing to me to me that at some point, like. You know, Doctor Strange or you know Wanda or something's going to happen where everything is forgotten, and and that's what I'm dreading. Eventually, you know, like 20 years from now, hopefully, you know. <laughs> well, you know, do you, do you think people will refer to it? You know, we we talk. You know, our generation, we're all around 30 years old, and we mm-hmm. have a pre-crisis, post-crisis yeah. is what. We, do you think it'll be as big as pre-Civil War, post-Civil War? I think not only does it have a, I think I think so, and I think it actually has the potential to be larger than that because. Uh, uh, crisis was great and, and and just kind of wiping the board, you know, clean and, and getting a chance to start over. Was this is more of a restructuring to how the Marvel universe works? Um, it's, they they really tighten up the reins on um, continuity and such with it. So, I you know I think it's definitely got that potential. And they've got great writers working on it and, and editors who really care a lot about the project. So. Yes, they do. Um, 
Speaking yeah, so so I think I think it's it's definitely got that opportunity there. Speaking about uh, DC, is there any any chance of you ever doing any work uh, at DC, or, or is there any are there any characters there that you'd you'd like to work on? Oh uh, yeah, both, on both accounts, uh, totally. Um, there's no plans right now. I think most of the editors that I know at Marvel, I mean at DC, have, have cycled out by this point because um, it's been so long since I've really done um, serious work with them. Um, but yeah, definitely in the future, it'll work with DC, and there's uh, their characters there, like New Gods, that of course I would love to play around with and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, Michael, I have, I have a good relationship with them. I see them at, at conventions and stuff. And Any chance of a, a, a Michael Oming, um, Phil Hester anthology? Where we can just uh, that'd be great. I mean, <laughs> well, I go back to the caliber days, so yeah, yeah that would be awesome. I, th- I think you guys, all you caliber guys, should do some sort of like you know caliber retrospective. Oh, the caliber yeah, reunion. Right. That, yeah. would, that would be pretty amazing. That to would see. be awesome. Uh, well, Michael, do you have any other uh, shout-outs or messages you want to send out there? To, Angry uh, diatribes. Yeah. <laughs> any, anyone you want. De- yeah. Death threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want to give a big, big shout-out to Red Sonja. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's all good. I guess the only, the only next big thing for me is I'll be doing the Baltimore show in, in September. Okay. Um, and that's best kept secret in comics. So get a chance to come out and check it out. Well, now you've told all yeah, dozen, fun. all 12 of our listeners. Yeah. So they'll have to, you know. Twelve listeners, that's it. This interview's Uh-oh. over. I think we have... I think uh, it, it, is, is, I, is Ivan a 9 one uh, yeah, don't say it. Yeah, that's got to be Ivan. All right, I think hold, we have hold, Ivan hold on, calling hold on, us. Mike. Did you just hang? Hello. Up? Yeah, hi. This is Ivan Brandon. Hey, hey. hey. I, Ivan. Hold hold on, just one second. And uh, Ivan, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, every, everyone, uh, Ivan Ivan Brandon is joining us. So. How you doing, Ivan? <laughs> My apologies. Holy hell opened up in my home this morning. That, and, uh, no, no problem. No problem. Uh, Michael has been saying very mean things about you for the last hour. So. <laughs> the, the, the sad thing is my intention was to go on and say mean things about him. <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, if you forget this interview tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> now, I, now I'm the bad guy. No. But, uh, no, it's expensive. You know, you're, you're a hipster living in New York, man. You know, oh, no, no. I, I wish it was anything, anything to do with, with something good that, that, uh, that delayed me from calling. Listen to AroundComics.com podcast new every Monday. For once, you won't be lying to your parents when you tell them you're not looking at porn. And that was our first part of a two-part interview with the creators of The Cross Bronx. Uh, that was Michael Avon Oming. Uh, look for the Ivan Brandon uh, interview later on this week. So I'm looking forward to hearing that again. So. Absolutely. We uh, we talked to Ivan about a lot of great things, in, including uh, Cross Bronx and 24-7 and uh, some other uh, European comics and underground stuff. And he's a really interesting guy, so certainly uh, check back in later in the week and, and, and listen to that uh, as well as uh, as I don't know what else we're going to do this it, it week turned, but who it knows turned, it, it turned into being a really happy accident because I think that we got really in depth with a lot of the questions that that either Mike or Ivan would have answered and now we got you know their views on all of the questions just them so and and we're able to really cover a lot of other topics so it was actually kind of a nice accident for that to happen um, a couple of announcements here um, our June contest winner our haiku contest uh, Tom you were put in charge of picking the haiku who is our June contest winner no none of them are any good <laughs> now it was uh, and it's me now it's uh <laughs> Wet rats with the Watchmen one, which goes as follows. Comedian cries, blood on smiley face, button, 
failed hero is fine love. So you win. <laughs> that but was congratulations. Thrill- that was a thrilling read. It's been a it's been that a long, was, it's been a long couple days, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll be getting in touch with what with Wet Rats, and he'll be receiving his uh, free trade paperback. So congratulations and autographed. Yay! Yes, hey, and, hey. and the autographed eight by ten. But, uh, but seriously, uh, thanks for everyone that, that oh, yeah. entered. It was really actually a lot of fun and. And cool to see everybody. I mean, we had so many entries, and and it was wild. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it that was. was a fun, it was cool. That was Sal's idea, by the way, to do that. Um, was you, it? Yeah, it was, you had the haiku idea. I did. And it was. Did you? It I was a lot of fun. I, I, I guess I did. Yeah, to, I think uh, I threw know. it out as a joke, and then Chris ran with it, and I'm like, yeah. all right, what the hell? We need you know, a contest. Uh, little witch and paper our, cut. Our next contest John. is pick a contest contest because <laughs> we're running out of uh, ideas. Yeah, we have well, no ideas. We'll We're come. We'll come up with a contest and probably um, um, release that next week. Yeah. And okay, um, it has been kind of a, a nutty week of recording. So forgive us for being a little scatterbrained here, and uh, and, and and also forgive us. I. I, I believe we're not going to actually have a, a, a news or top of the stack this week we're going to release these two in uh, interviews separately um and then we also have i think a thursday episode uh that we're going to release thursday or friday so I, I think we're gonna we're gonna pass on the whole news and top of the stack i know some people might be disappointed with that but it's just too much uh too much for us to try and too do much, after too much after, after no the five. Have, no more we have lives yeah, we do, but uh, but it's next so week hard. we'll it's be like back. It's like one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. We've been here. I spend so much goddamn time in this shop. <laughs> like, I, it's like more than I should pay rent here. My my dog is at home with her. You know, my yeah. three legged dog has her one leg crossed because she hasn't been out to like pee all morning. Her one leg crossed. <laughs> I do have a three legged dog. My girlfriend wonders, thinks I'm cheating on her. <laughs> You're cheating on her with a with comic, comic book, book store. That's true. That's a lot of us. Uh, guys, I would uh, like to mention that we are also proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of the best comic book podcast on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. Thank you to our sponsor, uh, geekarmor.com. So check them out, please. Uh, everyone, have a fantastic beginning to your week. You're going to hear a lot more from us as this week goes along. So uh, hopefully we don't overload your iPod too much. But uh, we're very excited about the episodes that we have coming up this week. And, of course, Wizard World Chicago is coming up in a couple weeks. So uh, you'll be hearing a lot from the Around Comics crew. Guys, have a fantastic week. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around, around comics. comics. If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week. Where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same. Bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics.